Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'm interviewing a man who started RVing part-time 20 years ago. Although he still has a sticks and bricks home, his love for the RVing lifestyle has made him one of the most recognizable voices in the RV industry. Today's episode is sponsored by WorkCamper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with a community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a Diamond or Platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. John DePietro is from Massachusetts, where he worked in radio advertising for decades. He swore he'd never own an RV until one of his friends bought a big Class A motorhome, and John realized that was the way to travel. As a result, John and his wife have owned several RVs over the years and currently use a Winnebago View Class C motorhome. For them, it is the perfect vehicle because it's easy to drive, easy to connect to utilities, and small enough to park almost anywhere. Today, they use their motorhome to take six grandchildren on adventures and to travel around the country. In fact, John will soon be leaving Massachusetts to head to Arizona to participate in the annual Quartzsite RV show. John is the co-host of RVing in New England podcast, as well as the Camper Report show on the RV Life Network. Both shows promote the benefits of RV travel and discuss ways to get more enjoyment out of RVing experiences. To tell us his story and how the RV lifestyle has impacted him, please welcome John DePietro to the show. Thanks for joining us today, John. I really appreciate the time. How long have you been RVing? Just about, well, 2003. So that's, you know what, Greg? There's 20 years. Thank you for reminding me. I need to get a gift for my wife for our 20th anniversary of RVing. And go out and celebrate with a giant bonfire or a bunch of s'mores. Yeah, exactly. Super. Exactly. What do you use when you're RVing? Are you in a travel trailer or motorhome? We are in a motorhome. We're in a Winnebago View. It is a Class C on a Sprinter chassis. And you know what? For two people, it's perfect. And we just enjoy it so much that we're not even looking of anything else. We just, we enjoy that. It's the perfect size for us. My neighbor. Besides, if I had a travel trailer, I can't back things up well. So I would not last well. I would not last long with a fifth wheel or anything. I know what you're saying. My neighbor down the street has a view and it looks really nice. Compact. Yep. You can easily get into the national parks. And pretty much oh, absolutely. anywhere. Yep. Yeah. yep. It's 24 feet. So e- effectively, Greg, we don't need a toad. We don't need to tow a car because if we need it during the time that we're camping, it's easy to unhook 
take the power off, take the, the hoses off and go to the grocery store. And the beauty of it is, is when you're driving down a street, no, not an interstate highway, but a street and you see a gas station, you can pull in very easily. But I know when we had the big class A, like you had Nelson, Yes. if you missed a driveway, you had to go another two or three miles before you found another shopping center or commercial building. And you had to be very careful when fueling, but this is beautiful. Perfect size. Oh yeah. There were a number of times when I would get in that fueling station and get stuck and would actually have right. to get out of the RV right. and unhook the tow vehicle. Oh, that's right. You and, were towing. Yeah. And then back it around. Right. So you avoided the pumps and everybody's upset with you at that point because you've tied up the entire yep. gas island. Yep. And if you were just... at a loves or a flying J, no big deal. Exactly. When you're, when you're going in a regular size gas station that really was designed for RVs of any type, you really have to be careful. What attracted you to the RVing and work camping experience? That's a great question. And we would see, we'd see the, the pop-up travel trailers on the highway in front of us. And I'd always tell my wife, you got to watch out because these things bounce all over the road when they hit the bridge joints, at least in New England where the roads aren't that good. And I said, I never want one of those. And then we uh, came across someone who had one. He actually had a big class A. It was a bus. It was a converted bus. And I said, this is living. And But it wasn't even an old school bus that he bought or an old Greyhound bus. This was a conversion, like a, a Featherlight bus that the NASCAR drivers use. And we got hooked with it. And it took three, four years of looking before we finally bought ours. And but haven't looked back. We had a big class A before, but found out that we really didn't need that amount of space for two people because our kids were already grown and gone. So basically it was two people and that's how we that's how we found out about it. How many kids do you have? We have two kids now. And not now. We still had them then, <laughs> but now we have six grandkids. Oh and they take turns coming with us and it's always a question of Who's going to come this trip and who's going to determine now do they not only Greg now do they not only want to come with us, but they want to determine the destination. We've allowed that to happen. We've gone all the way out to Wisconsin Dells from New England, which is about hundred miles for a water park that we could have gone to <laughs> with New Jersey. But you know what, when you have the kids with you and you look back and they're seat belted in and they've, they're looking out the window with wonder of the surroundings. It really makes it all worth it. When you were started RVing, you had nothing to do with the RV industry at that point, correct? That's correct. I was strictly a consumer and shortly thereafter went to an RV show. Here's a funny thing, Greg. I think there are more RVers that go to an RV show after they've bought their RV because they want to reaffirm that they made the right decision. We went to a show and bumped into our mutual friend, Bob Zagami, saw him putting on a seminar and heard about a unit that he had talked about and then bought it a couple of months later. And again, that was in 2008. So that was your uh, first con connection with Bob Zagami? Yeah. In 2008, after just before buying the, the unit that we have right now, again, he was involved in the seminar program of an RV show. And let me tell people. A lot of people that, that view this event or listen to this event, this podcast, may already own 
and they want to upgrade or downgrade depending upon the size that they need. But go to an RV show, but not just go to an RV show to look at the units, because I think that can be more confusing than not. But go to the seminars, because if it's a seminar that's put on by an RVer, though that person has no reason to sell you anything for any particular purpose. So you'd be amazed. Plus, there might be other RVers that you run into that are there that you can find out, borrow some of the knowledge that they've already provided to you by the work that they've done. That's so good advice. Go to RV shows. You and Bob have connected professionally, though, after this, uh, after you made that connection at the seminar. What do you guys do now? You know what? Um, I think our wives have both asked us that. What is it that you do? <laughs> because I'll say, you know what? I've got to do a show in Zagami. I've got to. Wait a minute. Didn't you do that? Don't you do that on Wednesday night? Yeah, but we have to tape a segment on Tuesday because our guest isn't available. But right now we have two national shows. One is in its eighth year called RVing in New England, which runs live on Facebook, live every Wednesday night at seven o'clock Eastern, but is available, obviously, as watching it as a, an encore presentation, for lack of a better word, on the Facebook page of the New England RV Dealers Association. So if you go to Facebook, New England RV Dealers Association, just look for shows and you can see, and we've been happy to have Greg Gerber on, on several occasions. And then we, for the last two and a half years, actually 159 episodes of a show called The Camper Report Show, which is a little bit different focus. Bob generally does a segment on with a manufacturer or a person who's has an accessory, and I'll generally interview a camper. So that's been going on, and that is on YouTube, The Camper Report Show. Very easy to remember. Are you finding things to talk about and uh, people to interview while you're out traveling in your RV? I think every trip that we take, we could get three or four shows out of it because the interesting aspect of RVing, RVing and RVers is that you are involved with virtually every different socioeconomic category and a wide variety of different careers. But the one thing that they have in common is driving an RV and traveling. And the person next to you could be an insurance company executive or someone who's in facility management for, the, for a municipality. I personally would rather be next to a facility manager because they know how to fix everything. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And if I've got a problem with my electrical system or my water system, I can go next door and talk to that facility person who can fix it. Whereas the insurance guy is not going to be of any help to me whatsoever. <laughs> I think that everyone would agree, though, when you're in a campground, as soon as you check in, um, people come over and say, hey, you need any help? Or if you raise your hood, even if it's just to check the oil, you'll have five people over there. Help, what's wrong? <laughs> what happened? How can I help you? Wouldn't you agree that during your years on the road that you found that to be the case? As a general rule, yes. They're very, people are very friendly in campgrounds. It's the last bastion of community, true community in America. True community. And you know what? I think it's a stress relieving place as well, where from that perspective, your journey has ended. You're at your destination. I shouldn't say your journey has ended, but you're at your destination for that particular day or week or month or season. And interestingly, as we talk about work camping, for many people, it is the season that they're going to stay, but we're like one or two nighters and then we move on. We're drifters. <laughs> drifters. 
Well, that brings up a good point because a lot of people misconceive that work camping is being a campground host where they're working part-time or full-time for six months at a time and then moving to a different direction. But you are technically a work camper because you're right. working while you're in your RV. And you know what? The term work camper, I know that was uh, coined by Work Camper News, which primarily, you know, pairs companies that need help with people that want to work. And, but I think it's a limiting word because there are so many more people out there that are working while camping at the same time, but not necessarily working at a campground or a state forest or a national park, that type thing. And that's where I come in. Yeah. What do you do just with the interviews and the podcasts yeah. or do you do other you know, things? When we're on the road, we will find, for example, you know what? And people say, oh man, you get paid for this. This is amazing. But if we're traveling on the interstate highway and we come across a Bucky's, I don't know if you have Bucky's mm -hmm. out, out the West. Not yet, but I've been to uh, them. I have a moral obligation <laughs> to go in and check out just how good that barbecue beef sandwich is. I have a moral obligation to check out the jerky column, the jerky counter. I have a moral obligation to check out how clean their bathrooms are because they say we have the cleanest bathrooms. I have a moral obligation to check out their candy counter. So what I do is go in and sample those products and then write a story about it. Cool. And yes, folks, I do get paid for it. <laughs> so are you writing stories for magazines and things like that too? Primarily, the content is distributed through the interviews we do for Camper Report okay. Show. But also, if it's in the Northeast, it will be presented on RVing in New England. But there are segments that I've done for RV Business and Woodall's Campground Magazine because we have a working relationship with Rick Kessler and Ben Quiggle. There are other areas, but Primarily, even though I started in this business as a writer, just like all of us at, at one time or another, I'd stick primarily to video because I'm not a good writer. Okay. And there's less work. <laughs> there's less work. And I'm going live is even best because then there's no editing. <laughs> That's an aspect of work camping that is absolutely amazing. With the advances in technology, look at Greg, you know that when you were on the road, you had to have a certain degree of workability with the internet because every day yeah. at 3.30, you had to file a report. And generally you were in a situation where you had to have wired internet. But today with this new technology, whether it's Starlink or Travelify, and there, there are several other companies, you can be in the middle of nowhere and not even connected to an electrical system where you can uh, beam your system, beam your product, your content. And that that has just revolutionized the opportunity for people to hit the road. That is exactly right. It opened up a lot of opportunity for people to work remote jobs and to even start businesses. Because you're right, when I was oh, right. doing RV Daily Report, I had a Jetpack uh, device that allowed me 40 gigabytes of data a month. And I had to be very careful about well, how I was using that in the campground right. because I was going through about two two gigabytes a day just on email and going to websites and things like right. that. And I was thinking about that the other day. I was downloading some new drivers for my computer and two of the drivers were 3.5 gigabytes. And I would have been like, holy smokes, that would have been 
a quarter of my internet connection ability when I was working in right. my RV. You know, it's like the days when cell phones first came out, you you had minutes per month. Exactly. That's oh, right. I got to get off the call. I got to get off the phone because I got to Save get online. Yes, absolutely. Save my minutes. But anyway. Have you faced any challenges in your travels? Outside of getting lost a couple of times, not really. When you're traveling, you certainly have to be aware that if you're hundreds or thousands of miles away, number one, you have to be aware of what healthcare facilities are nearby. Especially if you're over 60 years old, you just, the body wears out faster than if you're 25 and 30 years old. So we've had three or four, actually there were three or four occasions in a row where one of us in our traveling party, whether it's one of the grandkids or myself or my wife had to seek medical care. And a couple of times it ended the trip where we had to call people to say, come get us. But that was only in Virginia or North, no, in Virginia. And again, we're Massachusetts. So it was only an eight hour ride, but not really, not really any issues with mechanics, mechanical issues or anything like that. We've been very fortunate, but we've got this big quartzite trip coming up that I've got the oil changed. I've got the fuel filter changed. I've got, I bought a new spare tire. That type of thing, because if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you get a tire that's blown out, that can't be fixed, you need a spare tire. So I invested in that yesterday and we're ready to go. So we're looking forward to, we're looking forward to no issues, but we're prepared for them if they come up. Why don't you tell everybody what quartzite is? Quartzite. Wow. That is, you, you know what? You could do a whole show just on what quartzite is. It's our first trip. You've been there before. It is a town of about 3,000 people in Southwest Arizona. So basically I'm going to tell people we're going from uh, coast to coast, but during the winter months from November, December, January, February, March, that population swells to, depending upon who you talk to, up to three quarters of a million people. And where do they live? Because there's only 3,500 people in there year round. They live in their RV. You mean they live in campgrounds? No, they live in BLM land, which is Bureau of Land Management, which basically has no hookups. And the only electricity that they have comes from the sun with solar hookups. And uh, people um, from all walks of life are out there. So we're looking forward to meeting some of those people, formerly known as nomads or hippies. <laughs> but today... There, everybody is out there. So we're, we are not to say that we've been counting the days, but in 13 days we head out. So by the time this airs, we'll be, we'll be out there and they have an RV show that, which is in its 41st year, which is a giant tent. There's a dealership that brings 250 units there. So you can buy a new or pre-owned RV, but they have everything from solar to tire pressure monitoring systems to decals to signs, those little stickers you put on your RV that you, you put a new state on every time you go to a new state, covers for your glass, for your windows, everything imaginable. So we're looking forward to it. We're also looking forward to stopping in Phoenix to have lunch with Greg Gerber at the same time. <laughs> it's funny when you had mentioned how people in our generation, our parents told us if we didn't get our lives together, we were going to wind up living in a van by the river. And now right. that's what people want to do of all ages. Yeah. <laughs> but now the van, it's not an old school bus. It's, it could be a million dollar van. And from what I've seen from YouTube videos, there are 
sections there where they have these 45 foot diesel pushers that are all huddled in a certain area where they're far away from the people that have blue tarps on their units. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to doing a lot of interviews out there and getting a lot of content because RVers, Greg, I'm sure RVers love to talk about their RVs and they love to talk about their RVing exploits and they love to find out things from other RVers because that's who they trust the most. I agree. Uh, we had talked about how you like to stay in one area for only a couple of days before moving on. And I think that's what a lot of new RVers do is they get the RV, they're excited to travel and they go. And I don't know how many states you have visited in your RV, but there's a debate on whether it's better to go and move to a different location every two to three days or to stay and really absorb yourself in a location for two to three months. What do you think? That's an excellent question. And it really depends upon the level of activity that the person has, the couple has, or the individual has. And here's one thing, more and more women are hitting the road alone. Yes. And for safety and security purposes, and again, it's not gender-based, whether safety is not gender-based because you can get held up as a man as easily as held <laughs> up as a woman. Yeah. But if you like a lounge chair and a fire pit, then stay at one place for at least a week. I'm just not into that. I'm just, I tried retiring and lasted four days. So I just got right back on the road and, and, and started working again. But the beauty of the RV lifestyle is it gives you the capability to do both of those on the same trip. We're going to spend a couple of days in New Orleans on the way out from Florida to Arizona as we traverse I-10, and we're going with 35 other RVers across the country, and we're calling it the Quartzsite Crawl because we're crawling to Quartzsite. And then when we get to Quartzsite, um, we're going to meet 250 other coaches, which would be 500 people, um, that all have the same Winnebago product, View and Navion. We're all birds of a feather type thing. And some people are going to stay there for 10 days. I know one person is going to go to Yuma for a month after that, and we're going to meander our way back and then go to Daytona for the NASCAR race. So excellent question. The answer is, there's really no answer. It depends what you want to do. It's the same thing with uh, the difference between a motorhome and a fifth wheel. People are like, what, what kind of RV should I buy? And the adage has always been, if you're going to motor more than you're going to be at home, then get a motorhome. But if you're going to be at home more than you're motoring, then get a fifth wheel. So right. it looks like that worked for you too. Yeah, it, w it worked for us. And if we want to stay longer, we can stay longer. Like when we go to Florida or like Myrtle Beach, we will go to one place, stay there for a week and rent a car and use our campground as our home base and go to Charleston one week and go up to Wilmington one week and go see Mark and Dawn Polk up in North Carolina for another couple of days and that type of thing. So the beauty of RVing is that there's so many options and you're not limited to any one particular lifestyle. I agree. What are some of the favorite places that you visited in your RV? Wow. You know what? Some of the favorite places are places that are not tourist places. We've gone to Portland, Maine, and when the ocean liners come in, you can park right next to the dock and there's these giant ships with 5,000 people on them coming in and getting off and going onto buses. And we're just sitting there in our RV 
and having a beer or a soda or something and watching the ships. There are other places where we've gone, like at the Kalahari Resorts, which are gigantic 5,000 hotel room water parks properties, which are water parks. And out in your, your home state of Wisconsin, where there's not much around it, but they built like Wisconsin Dells, they've built, it's the water park capital of the world. So from that perspective, you can go to the busy commercial places or the quiet places. We like Myrtle Beach. We've been there several times. We like Florida, except the ride to Florida is a pain. But the problem is, or the solution to the, the problem is traffic on I-95, especially Christmas week and Mm -hmm. February vacation. The beauty of RVing is traffic gets too bad. You jump off, you go snooze for a couple hours at the rest area, or you jump off at a Bucky's or a Flying J or anything like that and just chill for a while. And uh, again, another reason to like RVing. How many states have you visited? How many states from Maine to Florida? And then how many <laughs> states from Massachusetts to Wisconsin? So you I have haven't... all of the Pacific Northwest yet to conquer. Yeah, we do. We do. We've been out, we've flown to California on several occasions, but this is the first time we're going to, we're going to pick up. We haven't RV'd in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California. So. Super. I still want to get out to Vegas. Maybe I'll add a couple Couple of days days to this trip. trip. There you go. It's cool. We'll see. If you had to start over again, is there anything you do differently? Yeah, I would do it earlier. Do it earlier. I would do it earlier. With the kids, uh, right? We were, yeah, when our kids were young, because there's so many, you know what? I would even say, let's take a year, a sabbatical year. And you can do that anywhere now, and especially with COVID. So many families with young kids hit the road because they, number one, because they were able to. Right. They didn't have to punch a clock or they didn't have to be in the office, but we were three. Yeah. 53 when we got our first RV and the first event that we went to all the people, it was a camping organization. They were all 70, 75, 80 years old. And when they got to their destination, they had their big class A's because class A's were the rage back in the, right around the the start of 2000 or so. Mm-hmm. Didn't see many B's. Certainly not like now. And you didn't see that many class C's, but class A's were the thing. But I said to my wife, these people get out of their RV and they get into a reclining chair, not even a chair, a a chaise lounge. And they do nothing for three days. And then on Sunday, they go back. I said, I don't want to be that way. So we got to travel now while we're young. So if anything, I would do it when our kids were young enough to come along and we have bumped into many couples or that have young kids with them. And somebody said, I can keep the kids in school and read about the Grand Canyon in a book, a geography book that's already outdated by the time it's published. Or we can take them to the Grand Canyon and they can see it. And you know what? When you're seven, eight, 10 years old and you miss a year of school, number one, you're gaining more on the road than you are. So the, sh- the short answer to your question is do it earlier and hope that you have fun out on the road. That's a very Which good. We, there hasn't been a trip that we've said, oh, we should have stayed home this weekend. <laughs> That's a good point, John. A As a kid, going to the Gettysburg and 
being on the battlefield and seeing all of the monuments and the displays and things like that, or going to the Grand Canyon or going snorkeling in the Pacific Ocean in an underwater park right. and watching all the sea life is so much better than watching a video in a classroom. No, no question. No absolutely. question. Do you have any... You've seen it yourself. Yes, you've seen it yourself. absolutely. Do you have any advice um, for people who are considering becoming work campers? Is it possible yes. to do this lifestyle? Absolutely. And again, we're using that, that broader definition of work camper than working at a campground. But again, we went to, we're taping this at the end of 2023. So this past year, we went to seven funerals. That's seven funerals. Greg, five of the people who were the guest of honor at that funeral were younger than us. Wow. And if that's not a wake-up call, some of them were in their 40s. If that's not a wake-up call, I don't know what it is. So everybody needs to realize that the time that you have to travel, it's not your whole life. But do it when you're young, when you're capable of movement, when you're capable of not having to be tied to a doctor's appointment or a dentist's yes. appointment or a, a chemo appointment, that type of thing. Just get out and do it. Because you know what? You can always get a job. You can <laughs> always go back. You can even go back to the company you left. And I'll tell you this. When you go back, you are a richer person because of that experience that you had. And when you say to people that, you know what, we're going to take a year off, everybody's going to come up to you after you announce that and say, man, I wish I could do the same thing. And they I'm going to do that when I'm going to retire. But Greg, I've met people who, there was one guy that I worked with and his father was supposed to retire on December 31st. He worked for 42 years in the factory. Okay. And on the day that he was going to retire, he was buried. Oh, wow. He died a week before that never got to enjoy one day of retirement. Wow. And I'm not even telling people to wait to retirement anymore. I'm saying make an adjustment in your life because keep in mind the old days. Now I'm 73. I grew up with the generation that you went to college and then you worked for a company to 35 to 45 years. And then they gave you a party and a watch. Okay. And then you, you babysit for your grandkids or whatever. <laughs> yep. Okay. The companies don't want you to hang around for 45 years anymore. Okay. They want somebody younger and more nimble and who's better trained on new technology than you. So the companies don't even last that long anymore. In today's world, companies are formed, then they're fattened, and then they're sold to another company. Yes. And usually the big company that buys it screws it up. <laughs> Look, you don't have to work at a campground. You might love working at a campground. You might be an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter that has worked for yourself all those years. And now you still want to do the same work because you love it, but you don't want to work for yourself. So you become a handy person at a campground and exactly. uh, do all those, use all those skills that you have and just, just go out and have fun, man. Life is too short to not have fun. That's right. Work camping is a great way to fund your travel experience as well. Yep. How can people connect with you? They can reach me by email at rvjohnd at gmail.com. RV, simple, RV, recreational vehicle, johnd at gmail.com. Or they can check out our shows at youtube.com, The Camper Report Show, and go to Facebook and go to RVing in New England and look for our, no, excuse me, go to Facebook and go to New England RV Dealers Association, and they can see our shows there. 
So we'd be happy to answer any questions. Now, the, our show next week, we are bringing on some of our guests from the show to talk about RV Trip Wizard because people want to find out how do you plan your trips? And there's so much software out there now that will allow you to do that. You don't have to take a trip. You look on the map and you don't see mountains, but you don't want to be going from Maine to Vermont directly east and west because you can't do it. Can't right. get there. So you get all these trip planners that take you down to the interstate highway and up to the state road and they deliver you safely. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, John. I appreciate the advice and all the stories. This was fun. Thank you so much, Greg, and best wishes to you as you continue bringing stories about working and camping to life on the Work Camper Podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with John DePietro about his RVing experiences. I've known John for a number of years. He's a funny guy with some great stories to tell. We would often connect at big industry functions and RV shows. John likes the RV lifestyle because people are so friendly and helpful. He believes campgrounds are one of the last remnants of true community remaining in America. He describes himself as a drifter and that John and his wife don't spend more than a few days in one location before moving on. That's another reason he likes the RV lifestyle. He enjoys the flexibility RVing offers to people who either want to travel quickly to see everything America has to offer, or to slow down and really immerse themselves into a specific area. New technology makes it possible for John to remain connected to his work as a podcast host, wherever they may be. Work camping also gives people the flexibility to enjoy new experiences while working. To avoid crowds, John and his wife like to go to places others may not consider to be tourist destinations, and an RVing enables them to do that too. Like many people who've been RVing for a while, John wishes he had started doing it much earlier when his children were young enough to enjoy the experience as a family. John advocates for taking a sabbatical year at any age just to travel and enjoy experiences while people are young enough to do it. He has observed families with young kids who are visiting places that other students only read about in school, and John wishes he would have provided that experience to his own children. He has known too many people who have died before they retired and were able to experience many of the things John and his wife have enjoyed over the years. He said RVing and work camping make people richer as a result of the experiences. To connect with John, email him at rvjohnd at gmail.com or check out the RVing in New England podcast or the Camper Report show. Today's episode is brought to you by the featured employers at WorkCamper.com. These WorkCamper employers have taken extra steps to share some photos and detailed information about their WorkCamper programs. Opportunities exist for solos, couples, and families, whether they are full-time, part-time, seasonal, and even long-term jobs. Some are income opportunities and others involve volunteering at locations throughout the United States. Go to workcamper.com forward slash FE to meet the featured employers today. Employers who are seeking to hire work campers can learn about the benefits of year-round recruiting by becoming a featured employer. More information about featured employers is available at workcamper.com forward slash FE details. That's all I have for this week's show. Next time, I'll be speaking with a retired Air Force officer who uses his RV to take extended trips while still growing his business as a career transition coach and helping people to develop their leadership skills. I'll have that interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.